Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, and uh, it is a wonderful Wednesday morning, and somehow we're getting a summertime temperature uh, uh, this, this entire week, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it's been great. Well, today we're going to do part two of a really important discussion. Um, what do we do when topics of faith um, kind of... Uh, make us question whether we, you know, are, are, do we still believe even in, in God? Um, are we going to deconstruct or um, unlearn our faith so much so that we just ditch the whole thing and throw the baby out with the bathwater? Um, I, I don't think we need to do that. But there are folks that really can sound scary because they seem to look for every nitpicky tiny detail and then put a magnifying glass on it and then create a whole theology out of just that little speck or presumption. So um, one thing that's very frustrating are shock statements that just to get you to read or listen to, which I don't, I get it. I, I don't mind doing that once in a while, but if you make it so bombastic um, <clears throat> that God doesn't exist anymore or the Bible is completely fake. Um, when you make comments like that, um, and then you start to uh, kind of backpedal, uh, to me, it's it's you're toying with people's emotions. You're toying with people's uh, the faith that we're wrestling with. And so the discussion that um, we're having today, part two. If you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to part one. Uh, I did not put it into the description, uh, the link, but maybe I'll, when we're done, I'll, I'll put it in the description. But um, this discussion is really important, and uh, we're not done having these conversations. And by the way, Brad Jerzak has a new book coming out. Um, I, I, I can't pull it up fast enough right now, but on my Facebook page, you'll see a post about that. And he's coming to Toronto uh, November 8th, a Tuesday night, uh, if you want to hear him live. If you can't, there's also registration, an eBright Eventbrite um, uh, registration to watch it online. Just make a donation and watch. But his book is about this topic. I'm realizing, oh my goodness, the very thing that I want to uh, kind of focus on and help people through, um, he wrote a book on it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, good morning, Mike. Mike Gordon in Guelph. Woohoo! It's good to have you watching with us. Um, and yes, we are getting together. It's, um, I, I need to find a time to do that. Um, but we'll we'll chat. We'll chat. Um, and because I have a book to give back to you. <laughs> it's funny. All right, let's dig in. This is about a 30-minute conversation. I think you'll enjoy it, uh, but make comments. If you have questions, comments. Um, if you're watching from somewhere else, just say where you're watching from. Not everybody's chimed in because I do these programs at 8 a.m. Very few chime in this early, um, but it's still really, really good. It's the time I have available to do it. Um, a lot of teachers are doing evening events, I can't quite get there yet because, again, I don't want to do it at the same time Mike Gordon's doing his. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, um, yeah, I'm, if there's another time to do this, I might. But right now, 8 a.m. on 
Wednesday morning work. So let's dig in to this great conversation. Here we go. Here we go. All right. We ended up last week talking about some of the stresses uh, and anxiety related to um, the journey of unlearning. Deconstruction was thrown in there. Um, finding uh, another lens or perspective on some parts of our faith that we've never been challenged on before. And it can get really scary. And I know during COVID, COVID was hard enough with the political world and with our family world and you name it, but throw um, friends of ours who are challenging theology and screaming out, Hey, this is wrong. I believe this now the other stuff's wrong. And, it, it's a nightmare for somebody having to carry all these categories in their mind. And uh, I, I want to talk about that today and kind of let us, uh, or at least send this message. It's okay. You're, you're normal. If you feel those anxieties, uh, especially you have good friends that you can't understand what they're talking about, but something seems right, but their tone's wrong. What is it? What, why am I having a hard time hearing all this? Have you guys got stuff like that going on? Your turn, Richard. <laughs> That was good. That was good. Well, I think, uh, <laughs> touche. Uh, uh, Payback, baby. Uh, Mike, we used this thing when you and I had ours uh, about the Mars Hill incident. And I think that's a pretty good, pretty, mm. you know, Paul is vexed. He doesn't understand what all these, all these temples are doing to Athena, all these other things. It vexed him because he just knew they weren't, you know, these weren't resonant they did, with the Jesus, with the you know, the spirituality that he knew, but rather than sit there and just berate them for, you know, worshiping idols and don't, you know, he just went to the one place where he saw there was some give in their thinking. He went to where there was a temple to the unknown God. Yep. And that's where I can connect. I don't have to lay my life down on the battlefield of knocking down these temples one by one. All I've got to do is get, get Jesus's foot in the door. All right, in the thing. So he shares, he shares, and he, and he knew enough about their poetry to say, hey, this is, I, this is the God you're talking about. And I've met him and he has a name. And, um, you know, so that's, I, I, I think we, we, uh, we're tempted to wear ourselves out by some of this, you know, progressives, will, uh, you know, progressives or, or uh, new agers, whatever you want to say. I mean, they'll say stuff, you know, off the wall or just caricatured, you know that they're not being fair-minded with it. And you have to challenge your own self, like, you know, Bill said, to be fair-minded yourself with it. But I don't need to go into that temple. All right. Mm -hmm. I, 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 we have some ex life experience and we have some spidey sense, you know, about, <laughs> you know, this isn't for me. I don't even, I don't want to invest any thought in this. Yeah. That is not open, but it's not where I'm at. It's not what I'm drawn to. It's not what I'm magnetized to. And the Lord doesn't command that I listen to everybody with, you know, 24-7, uh, no matter how long they want to talk. I mean, we have to be led by the Spirit, even in that, you know, who we open up to. So I think Paul heard the Spirit. It led him, look, this is where your, your door is. And then we can talk about this door. I want to hear what you say about this God, this temple to the end on God. What do you think about this God? Mm. There's all sorts of things. Um, and, I, and I think that we, we sometimes fall into this didactic uh, thing where we think, ah, well, I'm supposed to teach everybody. And I've, mm. I've, I've been that as well. And, I, and, and, you know, I embarrass myself. You know who's a rhetoric I hate the most when I read about it? The certainty, the cocky certainty they came out of is when I re read what I wrote 10 years ago. Mm. All right. And uh, not all of it, but, but some of us, man, I wish I hadn't said it that way. 
And, uh, you know, I sounded so cocksure about it. And, and that's, there's, you know, you can be confident about something and believe it. But I mean, the more you hype it, the less you really believe it. You, you know, you're, imposed, you're overrunning the base path, like you said, and just trying to coerce, you know, and convince and browbeat someone into thinking what you, what you, what you think. And that's just, uh, you know, there's no coercion in Jesus. That, that is the, the, the one of the most, the, the most incredible things walking in his nature shows us. Mm. It doesn't coerce us. And yet we so easily, even as a lawyer, you know, I see this all the time. You're trying to impose your will, you know, mm. on, the, on the judge and, and, that's, and that sort of thing. And I mean, it's, it's not pretty. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think there's just a, there's an organic interaction with the moment. I mean, getting back to what we said about Paul Gray, that I think was his great strength. You know, we were talking about when he did interviews, you know, he would write down what you're saying during his interview. He, he would take a phrase and then quote that phrase back to you later. Earlier, you said this. I want to know more about that. You know, instead of just going down his litany of questions he had, you know, he had prepared, he was actually listening to the interview and mm. engaged. And I just thought, you know, what a magnificent man he was and a magnificent lover of God. Uh, and just a uh, lover of the spirit. And, and um, so, uh, yeah, that's. That was cool. That, that is a brilliant response to the fears because I know some believers or um, those who identify as Christian, if I can use that term, um, they, they've been groomed in churchianity to have to give a response all the time, mm-hmm. to always have to give an answer because the Bible says I'm supposed to be prepared in season and out of season. It is not talking about this. And it's not talking about a religious defense. And so what you just shared is beautiful in how yeah. to address the real issue. Right? What do you think, Bill? I see you're rare in there. No, no, I I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree. And uh, just one of the things that was kind of um, – coming into my mind um, as Richard talked and kind of as I'm sitting here and, and I'm asking as much as I am telling because um, I'm kind of, it's not something I've by any means chewed on enough to really feel like I can articulate super well, but this idea of progressive theology, I mean, obviously we've, we've heard about that and, you know, the Bible has a, a huge element of that, especially through the old Testament. Right. And, and that the, the Israelites were, were just, you know, culturally, they were changing their understanding, even of their own God, as you read through from Genesis all the way through, you know, the poetic books and the prophets and until we get to Jesus. And, you know, the culture of Jesus was not the same culture that it was at the time of Moses. They had much had changed. They had, they had progressed. And, and yet today we have progressive Christianity where we're, we're progressing through different ideas, much of which are, Again, reevaluating maybe theology of, of the recent past or the mid past, you know, 500,000 years of uh, Reformation or, or maybe even going all the way back to the schism. And, and, and we're seeing things with new access to data and information that we never saw before. But my question, I guess, that I'm, I'm throwing out there is, is there a point to which we are supposed to progress at which we stop? And we rest. And the, the more I think about it, kind of, and that the whole purpose of scripture is that we, we got this progress and then all of a sudden we have Jesus. And I, I will give you rest for your souls. You don't have to journey anymore. You can lay down in a, 
still pasture and, you know, have your head anointed with oil and your soul is renewed and you don't have to go on this trek in the desert anymore ever again. And yet I think there's some people that have been just so um, addicted to the progress like you said, that they just, they get up from that place and then they go right back into the desert again. And, you know, I, I have full faith in, in the Holy Spirit that ultimately uh, that love and that, uh, that draw is going to bring them back to that place of catharsis. But um, I, I, th- I guess that's part, part of what I'm seeing in, in culture all around. And, and, and it's, it's holistic. There are elements even in our politics that are really rooted in like goodness. But then we try to progress them to places that go off the rails. Like, okay, this is pretty good. But then you walk it out and all of a sudden the left gets way over here and the right gets way over here. And you're like, guys, if we just kind of come to the middle, there's, there's, there's commonality. There's something here that's a conversation that's healthy that needs to be had. And it's not one size fits all. And yet, you know, we want to progress away from this place of, of rest. So I, I don't know. I, you know, again, that the joy love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, faithfulness, self-control. There are no laws against these things. To me, these are the guiding principles that if, if you get that tonality from someone, if your heart feels anxious over here, but restful over here, I think listening and being sensitive, that's Holy Spirit. That is Holy Spirit in every single fruits of the Spirit, uh, right? In every single way. And if we, those are our, our beacons, our guiding kind of points of light around us, it will keep us in that valley. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That's... I think, I think the, hunger, <laughs> the hunger to want to know more comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But when we try to help the Holy Spirit out and try to learn more and come up with better answers for when we get questioned, I think that's maybe where we're getting run off the rails, where yeah. it's just Jesus. Like my wife and I talk about certain theological topics and she says, I don't know about that. I just, I just know what I know. This is Jesus. That's, that sure doesn't look like him. So yeah. think, well, no, yeah. you, you got to have a better answer than that. Well, you know, <laughs> you know? Well, I've found comfort from the idea. We've talked about this before, but you know, uh, pixelated Jesus. Yeah. Mm. That, that it, given our current ability and human limitations to see and perceive, we can see a lot, but we don't mm-hmm. see the, we can see a rough picture at best. So this is the biggest progression. You talk about, you know, progressive. This has been my biggest progressive is letting go. I, I, I demanded precision. I demanded high definition clarity on everything. And I have forsaken that. And I'm okay with rough answers. Yeah. Now, we do need to have rough answers. Yeah. You know, that's why how I'm different than I used to be is I said, you know, the man born blind or any situation, Ananias and Sapphira, this is how it happened. You know, I don't know that, but I, I, I have a rough answer on each of those. This is how I think it happened. And this makes the most sense to me, given God is good and love. Oh, we're not told the pasture that we lie down is this like tiny little, there, there's a lot of grass there to frolic in and play in. Um, but it doesn't mean that every area outside of that is necessarily beneficial. Right. And it, that's that same thing. It's rough. We, we don't, we can live in this ballpark, you know, going back to the basis metaphor, but um, you know, we don't want to get outside of the Jesus ballpark, so to speak. And, you know, I think I wrote something actually right before this or this morning, I can't remember what, but it really that this idea that grace is a stepping stone of faith, which is ridiculous. 
Oh. Grace is the, grace is the entire ball field, oh. right? It's the entire, it's all the path, right? And so if we, if we compartmentalize That's, it and make it a stepping stone, we've, we've totally missed the mark. Yes. Some people have moved beyond grace. They think, cause they think it's a theological category or a chapter in a book. But when I go back to, if I want to go back to some basics, I learned um, grace is a person named Jesus. It's personified. It's love. It's patience. It's all it's all things. that fruit <laughs> personified, yep. and that personification is supposed to be lived out through me. To me, that is Mars Hill. That's that is all we are here to do. Not correct <laughs> everyone else's theology, which is what all religion does. <laughs> They're about enforcing, which conquering. Precision. Which yeah, precision. precision. Yeah, your That's word right. about precision was brilliant. It's a state of being. Uh, I forget which one of you it was was talking earlier about the re- the you know the rest. It's the Hebrews rest where you you yeah. rest in the divine nature of Jesus. That's a That's state right. of. Being. And I, I remember Nikolai, Nikolai Berdyov, the great Christian Russian writer, you know, said that we we proceed. We don't proceed uh, toward being. We proceed from it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think all this other stuff, people are thinking they're proceeding toward being, and, and even the progressives, you know, not that, they, so. not, not that really they claim to have a whole bunch of answers. I'm talking about bad progressivism. There's good progressivism too. But the bad is not that they claim to have the answers. They just claim that they can naysay any answer you think you have, be it rough or, you know, or whatever. And uh, there are no answers. But in That's so many of those circumstances, they're tr- they're striving. They're they're there's so much stress yeah. to get to another plane of enlightenment or, or or place of oneness or or in Christness. And there's if I just if I can just get closer, then I'll be there. And these are the things mm-hmm. we can do to get closer. And that's the antithesis of the message that that, that Jesus yeah. wanted us to know. You remember the old movie where they're out in the desert going toward the oasis and they never get there you know yeah. it's a mirage and they never get there and that's a, this whole thing is a mirage when the whole thing the whole recognition of everything everything is here now it's connected to now you know and to stay so centered in the now and the more dogmatic we become and didactic and by didactic i feel like we've you know i've got to keep teaching and keep teaching and keep teaching you know and teach our way out of this and teach that and teach that and nothing it's not that they're not new experiences and new, new, uh, you know, new realizations, but, but that's part of, that's just being, that's the growth. That's the natural or organic, you know, lot spiritual life we're called to not this, not this, uh, you know, setting up an idol, setting up a camp to naysaying everything and just, you know, either, I mean, there's all sorts of excesses naysaying everything, uh, you know, or, or, uh, I mean, people, they di- different tags, you know, uh, it is this way or nothing's that way. And I mean, it's maddening. I mean, it's yep. absolutely maddening the spectrum of, 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 uh, strife. And that's what I think we're all sensing. There's a lot of strife out there and mm-hmm. it respect. It lacks peace. It, it, they're not proceeding from being when somebody's speaking in Jesus, even though I don't understand Listen, it ain't, it ain't brain surgery. When somebody's speaking out of a hostile, controlling, coercive tone uh, and unloving, I mean, it comes across. And I get lured into that all the time. Into doing, but, I, but, you know, lured, but I mean, I take the bait. I'm not blaming anyone else but me on that. But, uh, and not that I even need to blame because, you know, it's, 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 it's 
that takes me out of the now. It, the, the, the constant challenge we have is to get back to the now, to operate out of the now pneuma, you know, the pneumatic, the, the now spirit. And, uh, and just stay here and not, not be a know-it-all, but also not be a, a you know, blah, 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 idiot that can't, that can't say anything. I mean, God has put in us what we need to convey, mm. you know, in, in the moment. And sometimes it's, it's a rougher answer than other times. Sometimes it's no answer at all. Sometimes it's silence. I just, I, I, I think I know, I keep finding myself, I think I know ahead of time how something's supposed to go down. And I'm almost always wrong and dissatisfied. Yeah. With how down. And the times I'm the most satisfied is when I don't know how something's going to go down. And then it just it blossoms. God just blossoms out of the thing in the moment, in the now. Yep. Yep. So, so the stress that I'm hearing is from trying to arrive trying to understand, trying, self-trying to understand and articulate when we have not realized, and I'm going to be teaching on this on Sunday again, um, we have not realized our completeness of what we already fully have. So we're speaking from lack. And so in our culture, the system of dualism has been the greatest attack against the church, where it's one side or the other, right versus wrong. I'm in, you're not, that whole mindset. Therefore, when new information comes forward, oh, I didn't know that. I won't be part of the no group. And therefore, I wanna, I'm leaving behind because, oh, I used to think that. And we see that as the goal when that's not the goal. Yeah. The goal is peaceful rest and let the Holy Spirit be the guide. Like the unlearning, if we're going to unlearn something, it's because Jesus triggered it in us. We don't have to worry about it. I'm going to read something from Francois Dutois as we close today. I got to um, get one more thing too. And yeah, we're uh, not done yet. I'm, I'm going to yeah. rock your worlds with a metaphor. But you All do right. yours first. You go ahead. You want me to do mine first? Yeah. Right. So yeah, I don't know why this just came to mind, but but so we're we're people. Really. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. We're, yeah, and we're, we're also animals, right? We're, we, are, we are animalistic in our, our makeup, right? We, we have flesh, we have bone. And how, how do we grow? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm asking. So we do what? We consume food, right? Stop oh, that kind food. of grow, right? The yeah, and I'm, good, and I'm, good, I'm really good at growing. I'm, I'm really good at growing. So I consume calories, you know, you know when we're, we're born, we, we, we consume calories as I grow. I want to add weight. I eat more calories. You know, I want to have less weight. I eat less calories. Richard's a good um, example of that. If you want to lose weight, go follow him on his uh, Rage Against the Age page. But he's look at Mike. He's plus twenty-five. I know. Yeah, there you go. So, so I think there's an adamic kind of metaphor there. Um, I, I, I heard this recently, and it blew my mind in, in, in an interesting way. Do you know what how a tree grows? What, what's a tree made? What, what are plants? Primarily a tree. What's a tree made of? I mean, you walk up to a tree, it's rock hard, right? Trunk, branches, leaves, fruit. What's its primary, primary source of material? The roots. Nope. Okay. Because here's the deal. You put, a, you put a tree in the ground. It doesn't take, it doesn't take soil. Like no. the soil doesn't go away and go into the tree and become the tree. We think it does. That's where our brain, you were right. We think oh. that the tree consumes the soil. It doesn't. It uses the nutrients in the soil for a process. But where's it actually getting its matter from? Air. Mm. Straight from the air. Trees breathe just like we do. They just breathe the opposite, right? So they breathe carbon dioxide, right? And what it does is it takes in the carbon dioxide and it strips off the carbon 
and produces oxygen. And that carbon coalesces and starts to build structure. It's literally pulling its material oh, out of the air and building itself from nothing perceptionally simply by resting, simply by being. And we think about the tree of knowledge, right? That's the tree of humanity. We're trying to bolt on all of this stuff to help us. We, we're consuming knowledge to try and help us grow. But the reality is that the tree of life is where we just stop that crap and we rest mm -hmm. and we breathe and we allow, we allow the natural embodiment of God in the atmosphere around us to grow us organically. That does blow my mind. That's good. That's right. Really and, it, and, and we're, we're, all, we're all habitual consumers. And we always will be habitual consumers as long as I think we're, we're on this earth every once in a while. And that goes back to that, you know, William Paul Young idea of returning, right? Turning back toward the tree of life and just reminding ourselves as much as we can, you know, to, to just pause and go back to an or, organic realization that that's not necessary to be known and loved by God. Mm. It's not necessary. It happens. Good can come from that on occasion, but that's not who we really are meant to be. Mm. I like that. You know, it's amazing that pneuma is breath. I mean, the word for spirit is, is air. Exactly. You know, but, I mean, that's, you know, if, I know you want to share that quote, but I, let me just – Earlier, it, it hit me about overrunning the base and how you can do it one of two ways. You, you uh, and it had to do when you said lack. We think from a place of lack, but see what progressivism will do. It'll start letting you think about everyone else's lack. You, know, <laughs> you need to point out everyone else's lack. They lack this. That's not real. That's false. That's false. That's false. That's not true. There's not nothing true in that. So that at the, at the end of the day, they're not really saying what is true. They're just saying what's not true. That's right. And then, and then, but then the other part, what religion can do is make you focus on the lack in yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that, you know, that's how religion browbeats people into submission is you need them. You know, you, you, you don't have anything. You, you're a wretch, you know, amazing wretch, you know, mm -hmm. save an amazing wretch like not a, whatever it is. <laughs> I can't even think of this. Time. Saves <laughs> a wretch like you or me. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just but but the but what we're saying is we don't even think in terms of lack not even with somebody else that they lack. We think in terms of just breathing in the moment and breathing out what's in us to share yeah. and, and to listen what we need to listen to. And if we need to not listen, that we just, we, we, we hear the spidey sense. I love that, the, the spidey sense, you know, just because I think that's a good word for the Holy Spirit. He gives a spidey sense, whoa, the not, you know, not for me, but this is for me. If you don't hear the spidey sense, then listen, you know, but, but anyway, just a more organic, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, we're operating on so many levels, conscious and unconscious at any one moment, that the more conscious we get and the more controlling we get, it shuts the rest of it down. That's right. That's exactly you know? it. None of us want to be tricked. None of us want to be duped. None of us want to be uh, robbed. And so when the mindset is put onto us by a system, uh, call it progressive, call it whatever, call it legalism. Call it evangelicalism. What, what, yeah, evangelicalism, all of it. Yep. As soon as they purport something, um, wait a minute, this is wrong, that's right, or this is now right, um, now you're caught in attention, and there's no rest in that tension. Bingo. I believe the Holy Spirit is big enough to get our attention and gently guide us to what it is we need to know at the moment. We've yeah. overkilled it, overdone <laughs> it in the system of religion, yep. you know?
I think if we know we are already complete in Christ, we lack nothing, then there shouldn't, we shouldn't be searching for more. Okay? Besides the waters, right? Yeah, the waters. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. No, you know, the early fathers, you know, believed in this thing, accommodation, you know, that God accommodates us, you know, so that what one person may need to hear in the moment, he accommodates. Yeah speaking in their own emotional language or their own cultural language yeah because that's the baby steps you know but but, but what we do here is subject to change and that's why we and we've all been there you know subject to change i, I believe i have a rough idea now but if somebody comes in with a less rough idea on it i'm all you know i'm for you know i'm for whatever makes whatever brings more life and life and love and if somebody you know has that then that that's all that matters and, um, um, but I, I just, you know, um, it, it's a, it's a reorienting of the way we think, you know, and that's and grow, the way we grow. I think that's, uh, that's the big, you know, that's kind of that point of that tree metaphor is there are two ways to grow the same two trees, right? We, we can grow through knowledge and, and, and hammering and bolting on pieces of lumber to our, our fragile structure, or we can just grow through the rest in the presence of love. Yeah. I want to read this. Both are growth. Yeah. I want to share this quote from Francois that is beautiful. And I think it's another metaphor for how we don't have to try. Um, I think you guys will love it. And we'll come back and wrap it up. Um, But it goes like this. Deconstruction and unlearning made easy. You don't have to extract the drought first. Let the water deal with it and watch the space transform naturally. Light dispels darkness effortlessly. Perfect. Oh my goodness. Let's do what Paul said. He just shared the life. He shared the water of life to the people. It didn't get into the, all all the theology. He spoke with the love to me. It's not rocket science. It's so simple, but not simplistic. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, there's this term naysaying naysaying, I think is toxic. Mm -hmm. It's you could naysay. There's a million things we could naysay about. And I'm not saying that we should never naysay something briefly by shining light on it. But at the same time, when I, when I hang around naysayers and when I, or when I'm naysaying, man, I feel so defiled later on. I feel like I have missed the boat with the Lord. I, I don't feel like I've heard him, you know, and mm. consulted and, and his promptings and all that. But and you're just, talking, you're talking about a second nature of naysaying, not the occasional When This is all the language they know is to shoot down everything. That's not Jesus. It's a default setting. That's right. No, well, I agree. And, and, and then the, the turnabout to that is, and, and ask yourself when you're, if you feel like that's happening with someone that you follow or know, or what are they offering? Mm-hmm. And, and you might come to find that they have very little to offer yeah. other than the, the you know, disparaging or the, the condemnation of other things. They're, and offering, so, they're offering bullets. Yeah, they, yeah, that's all they offer, and and they, they may be verbal bullets, right? Yeah. They're not, they, but what are the what is what is that? What are they replacing that naysaying with? Yeah, that's that you know, Jesus naysayed some things, but he replaced them with something much more um, life giving. Yep. Um, is that is that what's happening with your with your the people you're listening to, the people you're following, the people you're question. trying to draw wisdom from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a really well, good what, what is being replaced? Or what do you feel afterwards, to... right? Yeah. yeah. Well, how, yeah. 
And I love the vision, just the term vision. That, that mm. it, it, are, are they sharing a vision with you that lets you see things in greater light and love? I mean, those are the standards, light and love. Mm -hmm. um, you know, love of God, love of neighbor, you know, are, are those things. I remember once, um, you know, when I was in, I was in a cult for a brief period of time, it was cultic, it was all very old Testament, you know, focused on, on the law. And, um, and I was at, I was praying to the Lord. I felt like I had to leave cause I was going crazy. <laughs> but but I, when I prayed to the Lord, he reminded me to ask two questions. Since you've been in this, do you, do you love God more? And do you love your neighbor more? Mm -hmm. And I, they know I don't. I judge them more. No. I, I, you know, I tell them they have devils more, but I, I don't love them more, and I don't love God more, and that set me yeah. free. And yeah. I asked my close friend who was also in the cult. I, I was trying to share why I left, and I shared that with him. I said, uh, "How would you answer that question?" And he thought about me. And he says, "Well, since he's been in the cult, he said, well, I fear God more, as though the, and that that was the coming.' But oh, I, I just oh, mm, I, that I, cannot I, be the goal. <laughs> and he later came out of it. Praise God." But, uh, but, but, but anyhow, that's, that's always a good corrective, you know, in there How is, is this message that he's sharing, you know, is it leading me more into love of others and love of God? And, and you know, I, I know that love and light, these words are so powerful. And yet, if we don't have a tangible identifier that we can measure those words against, they become nebulous and can mean anything. And I think that's where it comes back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like we, we can take love and we can compare it to the living, breathing, walking, talking human being, Jesus that we see in the gospels. And we can get at least a, a measure of what that should look like. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that tends to get lost, at least for me with so many, they become so far detached from the body and the person that lived and breathed on earth that we recorded in the scriptures and we kind of let love just again. I don't. I don't want to say it's always a bad thing, but we come love becomes everything. Then it becomes nothing at the same okay. time, right? And so love has to have a, a grounding point. Has to have a, a, a you know a foundation that that solid rock on, on I stand. And you know that's that's Christ crucified and resurrected. Yep, I love it. Well, if it doesn't make God bigger and better, if it doesn't make you more loving person, then um, it's time to rethink. Yeah. Amen. Well, Amen. hey, this is this has been fun. Our time is up again. It's fast. So thanks, guys. I look forward to the next topic next time. And uh, we'll catch you all later. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope it gave you some hope that it's okay to ask questions and to even question the questioners. Imagine that. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I this this unlearning requires um, one thing listen to the voice of Christ in you because oh by the way if you're afraid of unlearning let me let me share one really cool thing I, I thought of this uh, in the middle of the interview um, the thing that will be unlearned was never fully true anyway so you're never going to unlearn Jesus no matter, you might unlearn religious terminology, you might unlearn religious uh, concepts, but you're, you'll never unlearn Jesus. Let me uh, show a picture of um, the, a book uh, from Brad Jerzyk that's just coming out, Out of the Embers, uh, Faith After the Great Deconstruction. <laughs> Make sure you get it on Amazon. Uh, I am going to, I've got my copy waiting. I'm waiting for it to come, but um, this is going to be really, really good. I hope you'll 
um, uh, consider getting that. That uh, I'm interested in hearing Bride on November 8th. So hopefully, hopefully that'll uh, um, become real and um, uh, we'll answer some questions or rather give more hope. That's that's my goal. Like this program is called Still Growing in Grace because we are still growing in grace. But my church that I pastor is called Hope Fellowship and we're always exploring more hope filled perspectives on every topic the ones that are difficult to understand and there are quite a bunch um but uh yeah anyway i hope you'll have a great week um this was a really good discussion not sure what's going to happen next week yet uh, i'm having a hard time uh with the a, a conference that i've been trying to get rolling I talked to you guys about it before, but it's it's morphing and changing. And then our good friend Paul passed away, and I was really counting on him to be a big part of it. And it's like took the wind out of my sail. So I'm trying to get traction again for um, uh, what I'd like to do in January. Uh, even the November event that I was hoping to have, I just uh, life gets crazy and busy. And so, um, yeah. I hope you're enjoying these programs. I hope Still Growing Grace is an encouragement to you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching. See you then. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.